We should like go and like hang out with Todd. <laughs> Whoa, it's Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's even cooler than we thought. <laughs> Boys, I'm looking for a fella who goes by the name of Todd. <laughs> oh yeah. He's <laughs> cool. <laughs> Todd would make like a good manager or something. Welcome to another episode of the 206 Geek Podcast with your host Todd, the 206 Geek. Yes, I'm your host Todd, the 206 Geek, and this is another episode of the 206 Geek. This is episode 95, 95 episodes since I've restarted this podcast. And let's take a look here. What do I got for stories? We have... Beavis and Butthead reboot has officially been announced. We'll talk about that. We have DC Plus, excuse me, Disney Plus announces Comic-Con at home panels, including Marvel. We have a story about this uh, new Star Trek Lower Decks series. Talk about that. Suicide Squad director is asking... HBO Max and AT&T to release the air cut or air cut. I think it's air. And then we have Justice League. Joss Whedon has no comment on Ray Fisher's claims of, of unprofessionalism. And then we have another story. Justice League producer denies Ray Fisher's claim. So we'll talk about what happened with uh, Ray Fisher and the Justice League movie. All right, let's see. Next story we have here. The Boys Extended Clip teases a darker season two. Like, as as if that series wasn't dark enough. It was pretty damn dark in season one. All right, next story we have here is New Call of Duty Modern Warfare leak confirms crossover with Black Ops. That will be cool. And then we have Seth Rogen and Nickelodeon reboot Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with CG animated movie. Right on. And the last story I have here is uh, Jason Momoa is cast as Frosty the Snowman in a live action movie. We'll talk about that. All right, so let's get into this, man. So Beavis and Butthead, Beavis and Butthead reboot officially announced. Fans will always look back on MTV's Beavis and Butthead series fondly, but it's been quite some time since the original, excuse me, uh, it's been quite some time since the pair, since we've seen the pair. Gosh, I'm having trouble today. It's, it's been quite some time since we've seen the pair. That's all changing, though, as Comedy Central and original series creator Mike Judge will be teaming up to relaunch the franchise with two new seasons and new spin-offs and specials. Judge will write, produce, and voice the show, which will have the duo in entering a whole new Generation Z world that the network says are re- relatable to fans of the original show and those who never got a chance to experience it. There is no word 
on when the series will debut on the network, but they couldn't be more thrilled about it. And it's a, it's, it, excuse me. They're, they're thrilled about having it as part of the comedy central family. That's what there's, that's what I was trying to read. I was kept getting tripped up on that. It says, quote, we're thrilled to be working with Mike judge and the great team at three arts. Again, as we, we double down on adult animation at comedy central, said Chris McCarthy, who oversees Viacom CBS Entertainment and Youth Group as president. Quote, uh, Beavis and Butthead were definitely voice of a generation, and we can't wait to watch as they navigate the treacherous waters of of a world light years from their own. It seemed like time was right to get stupid again. Judge said. Since Beavis and Butthead, Judge has gone to create other hit shows like King of the Hill, Office Space, and Silicon Valley. But this is a return to a series that is beloved by many, and now new generations will, will get to experience it. The original series was launched in 1993 and quickly became a staple of MTV. The show followed two couch potatoes named Beavis and Butthead and their various adventures, tackling hot topics of the day and in its own unique way. Now the duo will tackle current day topics in this new iteration. And 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 with how thing how much things have changed in the world, we're definitely interested in what they have to say. And you know what? Um I'm curious as to what the, how they're gonna do it, honestly, because uh, the 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 last revival we got like ten years ago, uh, they they tried to bring this show back. And I think they had it for one season when it was brought back. Um, it was funny, not as funny as the original series because they didn't do the watching music video segment as much as they used to. I mean, there was a few that they did watch music videos but they were like YouTube music videos and they watched more reality television on MTV than anything else. So I'm curious as to what they're going to do now. I assume they're going to be watching more YouTube videos or maybe Vine. Actually, it wouldn't be Vine videos, would it? It would be TikTok. They would be watching TikTok videos. Uh, So, well, I don't know. We'll see. I I mean, I loved Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead were like, Absolutely, at the time when that show came out, I was in my late teens, uh, early 20s, loved that show. In fact, I, I uh, introduced my little brother to Beavis and Butthead when he was like five. And I, I recall watching Beavis and Butthead while I was visiting my dad in that side of the family back in the early 90s. And uh, my aunt, uncle, and my cousin Kathy were visiting as well. It may have been like during, you know, Thanksgiving or something too. And I remember we were in my, we were in Joe's room watching Beavis and Butthead and just laughing hysterically at what was being shown on TV with Beavis and Butthead. And my cousin Kathy comes and she's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're letting Joey watch this. That's so wrong. I was like, have you have you ever even watched the show, or have you just been told it's bad and don't watch it? 
He's like, I've never had any reason to watch it. He's like, well, you know, you should watch it at least once before you make any judgment on the show. You might actually find it funny and for the right reasons. We're not finding it funny because, oh, man, I want to do that. We're laughing because they're fucking morons. They're stupid. They're idiots. You know. So she sat down and she started watching Beavis and Butthead with me and Joe. And and, few, and a couple of Joe's friends, I think. And they may have been like other cousins. I don't remember. But she started laughing. Like gut laughter. Like, so what do you, you think this is a funny show? She's like, oh, this is terrible. And she's laughing. You know, like, like from the diaphragm laughing, you know. And I was like, yeah, but you're laughing at it. You're having fun watching it. What what's funny about it? I was like, well, these guys are idiots. I was like, yeah. Would you want to repeat what you're seeing them do? Well, no, of course not. That's exactly why we're watching it. We're not laughing at it because we want to mimic them. We're laughing because the show's hilarious and they're stupid. So, and I think that was the only time she ever watched Be With Some Butthead. <laughs> Still fucking love that show. I'm glad it's coming back. I'm I'm hoping that it's coming back sooner than later. I think it's definitely something we could use right now. Um, I just hope I just hope that they they uh they do things right and they don't they don't step on anyone's toes and they and, you know now, we need definitely need comedy right now but I don't think um poking fun at like what's a lot of what's going on right now is is probably not going to be the answer, but we'll, we'll see how they do. All right. Disney announces Comic-Con at home panels, including Marvel. It says, traditional San Diego Comic-Con has been canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic. So the organizers of SDCC are now taking the convention digital. Disney Plus just released its lineup of panels and events for the upcoming Comic-Con at home, including what the streaming service will be offering from its Marvel division. Unfortunately, if Marvel Cinematic Universe fans were hoping to see new footage from Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision, we don't have any new indication yet that's happening. However, Disney Plus has still found some fun ways to make the Comic-Con at home experience fun for fans. You can get the full lineup of Disney Plus panels for Comic-Con at home in the press release below. It says here, Disney Plus announced today that it will be joining Comic-Con at home hosted by San Diego Comic-Con with virtual panels for three of its upcoming original titles. As part of the entirely virtual festival, Disney Plus will feature the animated movie Phineas and Ferb, the movie Candace Against the Universe, the anthology docuseries Marvel's 616, and the, and the service's first scripted series from National Geographic, The Right Stuff. Okay, so Disney Plus's virtual Comic-Con home panels include... On Thursday, July 23rd at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, a look inside Marvel's 626 on Disney+. Plus. It says here for the description, 
Marvel 626 explores how Marvel's rich legacy of stories, characters, and creators exist within the world outside your window. Each documentary helmed by a unique filmmaker explores the intersections of storytelling, pop culture, and and fandom within the Marvel Universe. From directors Gillian Jacobs, Paul Shear, and executive producers, executive producers Sarah, Sarah Amos and Jason Sturman as they discuss the making of this Dis- Disney Plus original anthology series with moderator Angelique Rocher. Angelique Rocher actually was at Ace Comic Con that year that I went. I think that was uh, last year. Yeah, last year. And then on Saturday, July 25th at 12 p.m. Pacific time, uh, it will be the Phineas and Ferb the movie, Candace's, Candace Against the Universe. Join the creators and executive producers, uh, Dan Provenmeyer, I, I think I'm saying that right, Provenmeyer, or Povenmeyer, there's no R, R there. Po, Dan Poven, Poven, yeah. Anyways, that guy. <laughs> and Jeff Swampy Marsh. Director Bob Bowen and stars Ashley Tisdale, Vincent Martella, uh, Malik Pencholi, and Dee Bradley Baker as they share an exclusive peek, sneak peek at Disney Plus's upcoming Phineas and Ferb, the movie Candace Against the Universe, and discuss the origins of this iconic anime, animated series. Now, I'm actually thinking I'm going to probably check into this one. And probably the Marvel one as well, but definitely this one because I discovered um, I discovered Phineas and Ferb right at the end of their run, and I was kind of bummed that there wasn't going to be any more episodes. I so I pretty much sat back and watched any episodes that my DVR would record, and loved that show, loved it, and I even bought the. Uh, Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special, which was amazingly funny. All right, the next panel was uh, the uh, the right stuff, which is going to be on Saturday, July twenty fifth at one p.m. Pacific time. From Leonardo DiCaprio's Appian Way and Warner Horizon scripted television, the right stuff is the first scripted Disney Plus original series from National Geographic. This series takes a clear-eyed look at the early days of the U.S. space program. This series follows seven... Excuse me. Ah. Stop. There we go. This series follows seven of the military's best pilots as they become astronauts for the newly formed NASA. As the height of the Cold War, war even, uh, competing to be the first in space... These ordinary men achieve the extraordinary, inspiring America to turn towards new horizons, new, a new horizon of ambition and hope. Moderated by former NASA astronaut Dr. May Jemison, the panel will feature cast members uh, Patrick J. Adams, uh, Jake McDormand, uh, let's see here, Colin. Colin O'Donohue, uh, Michael Trotter, Aaron Staten, Micah Stock, James Lafferty, Nora Zihin, oh God, 
Z-E-H-E-T-N-E-R. I can't say that last name. I don't know what it is. I can't say it. It just, it, it's not, I'm not figuring out how to say that. Um, Shannon Lucio, Eloise Mumford, Eric Layden, and Patrick Fleischer, Fleischler, showrunner and executive producer Mark Lafferty, and executive producer Jennifer Davidson. The Disney panel will join previous announced uh, conversations from Walt Disney Television and Hulu uh, during Comic-Con at Home. Follow Disney Plus on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and for more updates. As stated, Comic-Con at Home will be held on the same dates as the previously canceled Comic-Con July 22nd through 26th in 2020. So that's in the next couple weeks. That's really cool. I, I, you know, I'm definitely into checking out the Marvel six six one six and then the the Phineas and Ferb panels. I'm gonna definitely watch those, and I think there's also gonna be some DC panels as well, and I'm interested in seeing all of that. Here, hold on. Okay, it's just a message. All right, the next story I have here is Star Trek Lower Decks gets beamed up to CBS All Access. This is a story from geekgirlauthority.com. The last two stories were on comicbook.com. It says here, beam us up, Star Trek Lower Decks. The Star Trek animated spinoff has now an official premiere date on CBS All Access. TV Line reports that fans can expect the series to launch on Thursday, August 6th, after the the premiere. Uh, New episodes will be available to stream weekly every Thursday. I need to disable that. All right. See here. Now, Star Trek Lower Decks focuses on the crew on board USS Cerritos, the Starfleet's least vital vessel. According to the synopsis, we'll get a taste of crew life as they're keeping up with their duties and their social lives while the ship is being uh, rocked by a multitude of sci-fi anomalies. The animated comedy is uh, the brainchild of Rick and Morty veteran uh, Mike McMahon. McMahon? I think it's McMahon. Um, I think it's safe to assume a similar brand of humor will colorize Star Trek Lower Decks. Okay. says, so who's manning the lesser-known ship in, in Starfleet? We have Ensign Rutherford, played by Eugene Cordero, Ensign Mar- Mariner, played by Tawny Newsom, Ensign Biomer, Bio- 
Biomler, played by Jack Quaid, and Ensign Tendi, played by Noel Wells. In addition, jo- Jerry O'Connell will portray Commander Ramson, Don Lewis is Captain Freeman, and Fred Tattashore is voicing Lieutenant Shacks. Fred Tattashore is probably... You, you've you've heard him in other cartoons over the last 20 years, but the, the one that I know him, uh, the one that always stands up in my mind as far as what he's known for, is he's been the voice of the Incredible Hulk um, for a really long time. And all the, all the animated shows that, that have been on Disney XD, the Avengers, Spider-Man, and all those, it's been Fred Tattashore playing the Hulk. And in fact, if you've, if you've never seen the documentary, I Know That Voice, it's on Tubi TV right now. You can watch it and you'll see him do the Incredible Hulk voice as well as a bunch of other voices that you probably didn't know he did um, on there. It's a great, it's a great document, a great documentary from 2013. And uh, I can, I, I'm always suggesting it to people, especially if they like animation and they like voice actors. It kind of gives you a behind the scenes look at what it takes to be a voice actor. And uh, it's not just reading off a script into a microphone. So, yeah, this this looks like it's going to be good, especially if it's from the people that do Rick and Morty. All right, next story. Suicide Squad director says, ask HBO Max and AT&T to release the air cut. DC fans got major boosts of mor- in morale when Warner Brothers announced that Zack Snyder's Justice League is finally getting a release a- on HBO Max. After that success, DC fans quickly turned towards the next goal They've been pursuing getting the getting director David Ayer's original cut of the Suicide Squad released. The hashtag release the Ayer cut fan campaign has been getting stronger and louder in subsequent weeks and months, and Ayer himself has been a big part of propelling it along. In a recent Q&A with a fan, Ayer made it clear that it's on AT&T and HBO Max's to release the the Suicide Squad air cut. So if you want to see the original version of that movie, not the theatrical version, but the version that was um, screened before they release it, then you need to to, to uh, tweet at ATT and HBO and, and at HBO Max to let them know you want to see the air cut on on a. Uh, on HBO Max. I would like to see it. Honestly. I mean it's. it's. Uh, I really wanted to like that movie. I really did. But there was so much of that. That just seemed like it was. Uh, not. Not. Uh, not executed properly. <laughs> I really wanted to like it. There were parts that I liked a lot, and, other, and for the, but for the most part, I just I thought it was a kind of a disappointing movie, because I think I've tried watching it like three or four times, and I I fall asleep at the same part every time. And uh, you know, if I if I fall asleep one time, and then I fall asleep an, another time, 
but it's in a different place in the movie, then it's then it's me. But if I fall asleep at the same place both times, it's not me. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Justice League, so let's take a look here and see. Um, does it say what was said? Says here, Justice League, Joss Whedon has no comment on Ray Fisher's claims of unprofessional behavior. Years after Justice League released in theaters, cyborg actor Ray Fisher has spoken out about unprofessional behavior by writer and director Joss Whedon, who stepped into the project to replace Zack Snyder after the filmmakers left to deal with a family tragedy. While Whedon's version of the finished project was widely maligned maligned by critics and fans, Fisher's now opening up about Whedon's on-set demeanor. But Whedon himself has, has not spoken up much about his work on Justice League. Now it's be, uh, being reported that uh, Variety reached out to Whedon for a response to the claims made by Fisher and that the replacement director chose to respond with no comment. In Fisher's claim, he states that Whedon's behavior was gross, abusive, and unprofessional, and completely unacceptable, and that it was enabled by former Warner Brothers executive John Berg and former DC Comics executive Jeff Johns. Fisher turned heads with a post on social media which was recorded at San Diego Comic-Con in 2017 saying, Josh is a great guy and Zach picked a good person to come in and clean up and finish, finish up for him. The actor posted this message along with the tweet, I'd like to take a moment to forcefully retract every bit of this statement. Fisher has been one of Snyder's most ardent supporters since the release since the release of the Justice League, which underperformed at the box office and kickstarted fan campaign to push for the release of the Snyder's version of the project. While neither Snyder, Whedon, or nor Warner Brothers have been forthcoming about much Whedon, how much Whedon changed for his theatrical version, Snyder has been uh, adamantly clear that the final product does not reflect his vision. This has ultimately led to HBO Max bringing Snyder back to finish his version of the movie that will be an exclusive release to the new streaming service currently on track to debut in 2021. It's not clear how much new work will be done on Zack Snyder's Justice League, which, with uh, conflicting reports stating that there will be no reshoots and others insinuating that many of the cast have will have to return in some capacity. Fisher re- has remained staunch in his support for Snyder amid all of the Justice League drama, holding multiple live streams with fans in which he uh, in which endorses the Snyder Cut movement while also crediting the filmmaker for launching his career. 
Whedon has been under fire in recent years due to rumors surrounding his behavior on set, including accusations of of infidelity from his ex-wife. He signed on he signed on to to write and direct a Batgirl movie around the same time he agreed to finish Justice League, but he left that project shortly after the project was announced. Yeah, I heard that, um, I heard that, uh, I don't know, I, I, I heard some, I heard some things about Joss Whedon that made a lot of people dislike him, um, kind of in the, in the vein of the whole Me Too movement, and, uh, I don't know what he was accused of, or, or, or any of that, I just know that a lot of people like we're like, fuck him, I'm done, he's, he's, uh, and I'm not supporting anything he's doing, and to be honest, I think, uh, I think the only thing I've liked of Joss Whedon in the last 20 years was the Avengers movie, that's it, I, I, I've, uh, I've not, I was not a fan of, uh, Firefly, and I wasn't a fan of Buffy or any of the spinoffs, I might try going back and rewatching um Buffy but I really I really wasn't interested in um from from what I perceived as kind of a goofy vampire show or a like oh my god Chiller Girl is like going around killing vampires um that being said I really enjoyed the movie that came out before this series. Um, there was something about the the episode that I watched. I don't know if I saw the whole episode or if it was just a part, but it didn't seem to have the same feel as the original movie. And it may have it may have had to do with the fact that it was a different cast of people playing the same parts that were in the movie, like a different actress playing Buffy and different people playing her sister and her mom and stuff. And I think those characters were in the movie. I'm pretty sure they were. All I know is I didn't like that there was a different person in there. And the show, the show seemed really goofy and silly. And just, I didn't like it. Again, I may try watching it again to, in in more recent years as I've gotten older. And, and, and my taste in, in television have, have changed over the years. So I may, I may enjoy it now. Who knows? All right. And also talking about the whole Ray Fisher um, Justice League. This is another story that was posted. It says here, former Warner Brothers co-president and production of the... Former Warner Brothers co-president of production, John Berg, has fired back at Ray Fisher's allegations that Joss Whedon was unprofessional on the set of Justice League, claiming that he and fellow executive producer John uh, Jeff Johns did not, as Fisher says, enable any unprofessional behavior on the set of the failed tentpole movie. He went on to diminish Fisher's concerns, painting the actor as gr- uh, grousing, grousing over minor creative differences as opposed to the much larger issue that Fisher has presented as he complained about Whedon's time 
at the helm of the film over the course of the last few days on social media. The comment represents the official response to Fisher's comment. As Whedon previously declined to comment, Johns has not yet had anything to say about the allegations, but tends to but tends to absent himself from controversies when he can and seems unlikely to address it right away. Berg told Variety this afternoon that it was categorically untrue that we enabled any unprofessional behavior, adding that I remember Fisher being upset that we wanted him to say booyah, which was a well-known saying of cyborgs in the animated series. When filmmaker Zack Snyder left Justice League following the death of his daughter, Whedon was presented as a close friend of Snyder, of Snyder's who had been called by the director personally to put some minor finishing touches in place on the movie. All along, rumors dogged the film that Whedon had been asked to save a film that that executive had no faith in and that he was making uh, radical changes. Later reports claim that Whedon had been brought in to do rewrites to do rewrites what did I say? to do rewrites and adjustments to on set before Snyder left. When the movie came out, it was pre uh, pretty clear to most viewers which portions had been shot by Snyder and which were shot by Whedon. The pair's radically different visuals, different visual, cinematic, and narrative styles did not mesh well, and the movie fell, felt fractured as a result. The cast largely refrained from criticizing anyone involved with the production of the movie, but in the in the time since its uh, November 2017 release, it seems clear that Snyder had great had a great working relationship with the Justice League cast, and the, his departure had an impact on the mood on set. Fisher, though, is the first to lash out against Whedon directly, saying on social media yesterday that he wanted to recant his comments he made in support of Whedon at the... Comic-Con in 2017. Zack Snyder's Justice League, an expanded and remastered version of the film presented as, as Snyder had originally envisioned is scheduled for a 2021 release on HBO Max, which is information we already knew. I could have probably bypassed that. <laughs> Alright, next story. There are a couple of different ways you can support the podcast. One is by rating and reviewing the podcast by going to rate.206geek.com. The other way you can help the podcast is by going to support.206geek.com and become a podcast supporter. If you support the podcast in that way, you will get a shout out on every episode. I remember time Mr. and Mrs. Dickens planted the first apple tree here at the Dickens Orchard. 
Mr. Dickens said he would press no cider before the fruit was ripened to absolute perfection. Then it happened. That old orchard yielded the juiciest, most delicious apples we ever did see. That was 50 years ago. That was the first time I ever had a Dickens cider. <laughs> I'll never forget that first Dickens cider. I was 17 and like Dorothy was 16. I think that was Dorothy's first dick insider, too. <laughs> I start every day with a dick insider. <laughs> At breakfast or later in the day, a dick insider is the perfect pick-me-up. My first dick insider? Geez, I remember hearing how great a dick insider was before I actually had one. It was an old friend that let me have a dick insider. <laughs> I was so excited with anticipation, I spilled it all over me. <laughs> the other day, my husband's friend asked him why we both seem so healthy and happy all the time. He told him, easy, my wife doesn't let me go a day without a dick insider. <laughs> <laughs> and she enjoys the rejuvenating effects of a wholesome, delicious dick insider, too. <laughs> dick insider. Dick insider. Everybody loves a dick insider. From the famous Dickens Apple Orchards of Maine. Get that old-fashioned, down-home feel of a Dick Insider. <laughs> you can get a Dick Insider almost anywhere. <laughs> Just look for the label with the donkey on it, or as they say at the orchard up in Maine, the Dick Insider ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Dick Insider, from Dickens, a subsidiary of Good Swift. All right, the boys' extended clip teases a darker season two. This is what it says here. Amazon Prime series adaption of Garth Ennis's The Boys was one of last year's biggest and most pleasant surprises. The show, which was created by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, presented a world where superheroes are powerful man-eagle maniacs, largely controlled by one sinister corporation. Although it plays like a dark satire of the mainstream superheroes, it also surprisingly is, is heartfelt and touching at times. Now, Amazon Prime has released the first three-minute clip from the show's upcoming second season, which, is, uh, which looks to be going even darker in places than the first. And it has a video clip here. So what can we glean about season two from this clip? For starters, the first season of The Boys teased the idea that The Seven, the show's darkly satirical take on the Justice League, would soon start working with the military. And in this scene set in Syria seems to indicate that it'll continue to be a major plot thread in the second season. This scene showcases a mysterious and always silent black noir undertaking a covert mission that, as usual, winds up with a bloody mess of dead, non-powered folks and a bit of an awkward humor. And, and, and a bit of awkward humor. All right. But maybe the most exciting development for The Boys' second season is the expanded role for Breaking Bad's uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who is playing the sinister CEO of Voight International, or Vought International, 
introduced briefly in season one, in the season one finale. It looks like he's playing a major role in season two. Between the Mandalorian and the boys, Esposito fans are going to be in for quite a treat this fall. Of course, season one also extended, ended, excuse me, also ended with the show's sociopathic Superman analog Homelander more dangerous than ever. So Huey, played by Jack Quaid, and Billy Butcher, Carl Urban, and Mother's Milk, Laz Alonzo, and the rest of the crew will have to work their, work out their, uh, to work to have their work cut out for them in this season. The Boys Season 2 will premiere on Friday, September 4th on Amazon Prime. I'm excited because, you know, I, I I remember, like, watching this show, thinking it was going to be just like watching Justice League, and then finding out that it's way darker. And you see, you see how what it would be like if Superman had been more like Lex Luthor with those powers. And that's what Homelander was essentially. It was like, take Superman and Lex Luthor and make that into a a mashup of a new character. And he's a very arrogant, very like, you know, I don't give a fuck kind of attitude. I don't know. I, I, I really like the show. I'm really looking forward to season, season two. Alright, so next story we have here. New Call of Duty Modern Warfare leak confirms crossover with Black Ops. A new Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Warzone leak has essentially confirmed the pair of games will be soon crossing over with Black Ops ahead of the reveal of Call of Duty 2020. This week, Infinity Ward and Activision seamlessly began to tease Frank Woods coming to the aforementioned PS4, Xbox One, and PC games. And this was followed by the data mining leak referencing the Black Ops character. And now another data mining leak has all but confirmed Sergeant Woods will be soon joining Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Warzone as an operator, probably on the previously rumored July 4th. For a while, it, was, it wasn't it was very clear if Frank Woods was actually coming to a modern warfare and war zone. There was reason to believe he was, but also some trepidation. However, Call of Duty and data miners have found new audio files within the latest war zone and modern warfare update featuring the voice of Frank Woods, who sounds like he has a new voice actor. The actual voice lines don't reveal anything salient. Uh, salient? I don't know what that is. I'm going to have to Google that right quick. Salient. Most notable, n- most noticeable or important. Important main principal, major chief, primary. Notable. Okay, that's what it means. Okay. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. Wait, that's a different... That's a different one entirely. That's G.I. Joe. Also great. You know, I've noticed uh, Hasbro 
on their YouTube channel is streaming the original G.I. Joe Real American Hero right now. You can you can watch a I think it's on a, like a loop. It's just playing through all the episodes. It's really cool because I, I, I loved that cartoon when I was a kid. I had I had a few of the, the G.I. Joe figures and, and vehicles. I remember getting the uh, the the G.I. Joe helicopter. Um, I don't remember the name of the of the helicopter, but the green helicopter that they fly in the in the cartoon, which oddly enough in the real world were called Cobras. I was obsessed with that. I wanted to be a helicopter pilot when I grew up in, back in those days. Um, I mean, I really wanted to learn how to fly helicopters. I was so like into it. I thought they were so cool. Um, <laughs> and it says here, incidentally, this is all but this this all but also confirms the rumors, leaks, and reports claiming that Call of Duty Warzone will be used to reveal Call of Duty 2020 and that Call of Duty 2020 is a Black Ops reboot. Which I think is amazing because um, Black Ops, the original Black Ops, which I think came out in 2010, maybe it was 2009, either way, that game is uh, about 10... 12 years old at this point, I think. Um, I recently reacquired a uh, PlayStation 3 in the last year. And one of the first things I did was download Black Ops 1 and all the DLCs that I had with it. And it turns out that uh, Activision hasn't been updating the game at all. So if there's any, any problems with the game, you're kind of SOL. And the problem that I started having was that it doesn't save progress anymore. So I can't play Black Ops on my PlayStation 3 anymore without having to start it at ground zero every single time. So if they, if they, I'm hoping at some point, if, if, if not a reboot, I hope that they like release like a classic PlayStation 3 game for PS4. I would love to be able to play that game again. I suppose I could just play it on my 360. I have it on there too. But that requires having Xbox Live in order to to play with uh, combat training, which is the only way to play with bots on uh, Xbox. Or on Black Ops, rather. Black Ops 1. I don't know. That's really cool that they're they're doing that. (sighs) Excuse me. That was almost a really nasty sneeze. All right, Seth Rogen. The next story here, Seth Rogen and Nickelodeon reboot the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with a CGI or a CG animated movie. Oh, man. Well, let's just hope. Let's hope uh, it will be better than the last two live action ones. I did not like those. I didn't like the origins that they changed it to. I asked, um, I went to, when I went to, uh, I went to, uh, Emerald city comic con and, uh, and, uh, one of the creators of the Ninja Tur- Turtles was there. Um, 
I asked him about that. I was like, what do you think of them changing the origins in the movie? In the new movie that came out in the last year. And uh, I think it was in the last year. Either way, the new the new movie that, that was produced by, uh, by uh, Michael Bay. And uh, he said he liked it. I'm like, okay, well, if, if he likes it, then I should, you know give it another watch and, and try to try to enjoy it. Even though I don't like that, they changed the origins. They basically made in that movie, they made it so that the Ninja turtle, the turtles before they became mutated were pets of April O'Neil's. And that's how there's a connection between the two. Um, yeah, I didn't like that. I thought that was like, no, that's, that's, why do they have to change the story? The story was fine the way it was. They didn't need to change that. <laughs> Anyways, this is what it says here. For a while, it looked like Michael Bay had successfully brought back the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the box office, but after Out of the Shadows, the TMNT franchise once again was once again on hiatus. What What's interesting is Nickelodeon is aiming for another reboot, but this time in CG animation. According to Deadline, Nick is teaming up with Seth Rogen's Point Grey Pictures for a fully animated TMNT reboot. Jeff Rowe known for Connected and Gravity Falls, is set to direct the film. With Rogan attached as producer alongside James Weaver and Evan Goldberg. And this person, this is a story off of geekfeed.com. He says, Personally, I thought the live-action films were fine, and and though adults would would whine endlessly about them, I think they're great romps for kids. While I'm sure a live action reboot could still take place in a few years. Maybe Nick is into something onto something when it comes to an animated return to the theaters. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, that version of the Ninja Turtles where they changed the origins could have been a lot better. My initial thought was like, this is movie's going to suck because it had Megan Fox. Um, I didn't care. I didn't want to see her playing April O'Neil. And you know what? When I watched that movie, that was that was the thing that I had the least problem with. I thought she was fantastic as April. Um, the other issue I had with those movies is the fact that they they had more, like you needed more detail as to the individual turtles. Um, like for example, Donatello wore these stereotypical nerd glasses with the with the tape in the center and his shell was covered in all kinds of like random pieces of tech like computers and solar panels and you know antennas and just and then like there the other thing that was it bothered me but it wasn't as big a deal was the fact that each turtle was a different size and different shape they they didn't all look the same. They didn't look like they were the same type of turtle. They looked like they were different kinds of turtles. 
But that really it, that was kind of an it was kind of a a minor problem with that. It bothered me, but it wasn't that huge of a deal. And that each one of them, like like for example, Raphael was just gigantic. He looked like he was like nine or ten feet tall. He was huge, um, and the rest of them were like much smaller. And 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 it was almost like it was almost like those uh, Russian nesting dolls where. Raphael was the biggest one, so everybody else was hiding inside of him, and you opened him up, and then you got, you know, Michelangelo, then Leonardo, and then Donatello was the smallest of all of them. I didn't like that. I didn't. I thought that that was that was lame. Why couldn't they just keep them all the same size? Just I don't know. I don't know. There was probably good reason for it. It really was. I just I did. I wasn't seeing it. You know. Ninja Turtles was a huge thing for me when I was in my late teens. I loved the show. The show, the cartoon started when I was a freshman in high school. I watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles every weekend, all throughout high school. I was that I was that nerd in school where I'd watch, I watched my favorite cartoons instead of going out to parties with people and stuff. I. Uh, Stayed home and played video games and watched television. I didn't, I didn't really want to be around a bunch of people. But then my mom was like, "You need to go out and hang out with your friends. Don't spend so much time in the house." You know, so I did, and I end up, I end up going to a few parties in high school. Um, I didn't drink though. I didn't, I didn't, didn't do anything that kids normally did during those things. I was that odd guy that stood in the corner at, at, at those types of events and just kind of like stayed out of the way, you know? And of course, people walk up to me and talk to me because they thought it was weird I was standing by myself. And I didn't know how to approach. I didn't know how to approach girls, and I still kind of don't. I'm 48 years old, and if I'm attracted to a woman... I I uh I become super awkward. Um and as if I didn't talk a lot normally, I become super I I become even more talkative when I'm nervous. Maybe that's why I I, I do I do a lot of talking during this cuz I get nervous that I'm not doing a good job and stuff. Those are just like my insecurities and my anxieties right there, you know. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I was not a, I wasn't a very, I mean, I was sociable, I guess. I, I hung out with my buddies and friends and chit-chatted and, and had fun conversations. But I didn't go around talking to everybody. It didn't, I didn't go around and chat up other people. I always talked to the same three guys. So, yeah. A little bit about Todd that you didn't ask for. <laughs> Oh man, is there actually a trailer for this? Loading, it's loading. Okay. All right. Oh, that's loud. Legend 
those in need. But they have never been needed more than right now. You did see that up there? I've got a bad feeling. Oh, this is the trailer for that original animated movie. Never mind. I was gonna say I thought this was I thought this was something new. No, it's something old. This is the uh the animated movie that was just called TMNT that had Patrick Stewart playing the bad guy. Sir Patrick Stewart even. Alright. I don't know, in the 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 the, uh, the 2012 version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first animated series that Nickelodeon did, and I, I initially didn't like it. I didn't like the animation style. I thought the voice cast was eh, it was okay. There was a couple people that I thought were misplaced. I thought um, uh, I liked, and don't get me wrong, I love Greg Sipes. Greg Sipes is an amazing voice actor. I just i i couldn't i couldn't see him as anything other than Beast Boy, especially when he was you know playing Michelangelo. It, it, to me, it sounded like he was just Beast Boy saying things that Michelangelo would say. And it took me about f- four to five episodes before I was like, okay, now he's he's not sounding as much like Beast Boy anymore as he is just a, this new version of Michelangelo. So, I mean, that actually relatively ended quickly as far as the dislike of it. And I even told, I told Greg Sipes on Twitter, he's like, you know, when I first started watching this show, all I could hear was Beast Boy. And now I fucking love Mikey. This new Mikey is awesome. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and Jason Biggs was the original voice for Leonardo on that series. And he was Leonardo for, I think, two seasons before he uh, stepped down from the part, and then that part was taken over by uh, Seth Green. And they explained the voice difference away by having uh, Leonardo have an accident with his, with his vocal cords, and so that's why his voice changed, which I thought was actually pretty brilliant. He was in a fight, and someone punched him in the throat or something like that. I think, or either that, or he had like a like a combination of things, in a, in, including like a, a cold or some shit. Either way, I thought it was pretty awesome. And um, and the rest of the cast, I didn't have really an issue. I think the the biggest issue I had with that series was the animation style. I didn't care for how young they made April and KC. They they were essentially like high school students. You know, they made them way younger. And uh, I loved I loved the fact that Rob Paulson came back to the Ninja Turtles as a different turtle because in the original series he was Raphael, but they had him as Mike. Or, excuse me, they had him as Donatello in this 2012 edition of the Ninja Turtles, <coughs> and he he did a pretty solid job of it too, I think. And then the the actor playing Raphael on this series was Sean Astin. And I thought he was awesome as as Raphael. I thought he did a great job of it. I loved the cast. I really did. Um, In fact, in later seasons, there was a crossover with the original 
Ninja Turtles. There was like a dimensional thing happening and they went through this dimension warp and they appeared in the original cartoon and the 2D versions of themselves. And then when the opposite happened, when the original cast, and that's the other thing I thought was cool about that crossover is they got the original cast back to play the original voices of the Ninja Turtles, which meant that uh, Rob Paulson was doing double duty as far as as the Turtles were concerned. He was doing the, the new version of Donatello, but he was also doing the old version of Raphael. And then you had Townsend Coleman and 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 uh and uh um Cam Clark and um Barry Gordon, I think were the other guys' names. Fantastic actors. They've all gone and done other really great characters as well. So it was cool to hear them all back playing their original, the, the, the voices that, that, that made those characters famous. But then the show didn't stop there. That version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the one from 20, 2012, they also brought back other veteran actors of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle family, whether it be the actors from the other cartoons to the other versions of the show. In the movies, the live-action movies had um, Robbie Rist play Michelangelo. He came back playing a different character on the 2012 version of the TMNT called Mondo Gecko. And Mondo Gecko just sounded like Donatello from the original movies. And then um, Corey Feldman was... If I remember right, the original movie was Donatello. And he played a mutated version of Raphael's pet turtle, Spike. And he had a bit of a voice like this. I don't know how he does that without like completely trashing his voice. Maybe it's just he smokes. Maybe he drinks a lot. I don't know. But he's able to do this voice like this. He's just, he sounds he sounds like he's been drinking and smoking a lot in order to talk like and just me doing that is causing my throat to be like, fuck you, Todd, stop doing that. <laughs> Can't imagine doing that for four hours for each time they do a recording session. So he must be able to do it in such a way that doesn't completely trash his vocal cords. And they had other people too, and I just can't remember all their names. Um, those are the the ones that I remembered are the ones that I really liked on the on those versions of the show of the characters. Townsend Coleman, I've actually talked to him a couple times through Facebook, and he's he's a super nice dude. Um, in fact, for a short time, um, I had him as a Facebook friend, and he actually commented on a number of things that I posted. Um. And then, uh, and so did Robbie for that matter. I was actually, I was friends on Facebook with like all three versions of, of, of Michelangelo at one point. I had several people from both versions of the Ninja Turtles or all the versions of Ninja Turtles on, on my Facebook. They were really cool people. And if you've, if you've never met a voice actor before, they're the, the most down to earth people possible. Um, I think probably my favorite person that I've met as far as voice actors go was Jess Harnell. He was like the coolest dude ever. Um, 
I almost expected him to be like this total rock star kind of attitude because he's not only is he a talented voice actor, but he is an amazing musician and a singer. He has this band called Rock Sugar. And uh, they're so good. They These guys, they take like an 80s metal song and an 80s like pop song and they do mashups of them. Um, all you got to do to find them is go onto YouTube and search for Rock Sugar Band and you'll find videos of their, of their music. And I'm pretty sure you just search for Rock Sugar Band on Google and you'll find their website. But, uh, they're awesome. Um, they, um, yeah, Jess Harnell was so cool. I talked to him for about five minutes, if I remember right. And he was so nice. He, I was, when I met him, I was actually kind of in a bad mood because I'd spent, I spent the large part of the day trying to find that section of the convention where all the voice actors were. And when I got there, it was like they were starting to shut down things. But I, I, I managed to get up to the front of the line. I wanted to meet the rest of the people that were there, but the only person I got to meet was Jess. And he was so nice. He signed my, he signed my copy of comic book the movie if you've never seen that it is a movie that Mark Hamill directed I think he also wrote it too but all the actors in that are voice actors you wouldn't recognize them by their face unless of course it's Mark Hamill but all of the people in that movie were voice actors and uh incredible like um Derry Debbie Derry Barry I always trip over the her name. She's such a cool actress. Um, and then, um, uh, 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 I'm seeing the person's face in my mind's eye, but I'm, uh, I'm trying to remember their name. My brain is not wanting to work with me today. Um, anyways, the actor who's, probably best known for being Fry and Professor Farnsworth on Futurama. He was also um, the voices of both uh, Ren and Stimpy. And again, I'm saying these and I'm seeing his face in my mind's eye, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He was in it. Um, and, a, and, a, and a bunch of other people. Uh, Darren Norris, great actor as well. He's the he's the voice of uh uh the one of the fairies in the fairly odd parents. Cosmo, I think his name was. And uh yeah. It was it was a, such a fun time when I went to that convention, other than not being able to find that section of of the of the con. I had a good time. Um I'm 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 having a very ADD moment right now, so my brain is not letting me focus on anything. I think now is probably a good time for me to end this podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of my podcast. I really appreciate you guys. Um, you know, I would greatly appreciate it if you would, at the very least, give my podcast a rating and a review by going to rate.206geek.com and follow the links for rating and reviewing the podcast. And, you know, 
rate and review it. I prefer if you rate it and review it positively, but rate and review it however you see fit. Um, I really appreciate it. Also, tell your friends to check, to subscribe, even if they don't necessarily listen. As long as it's subscribed and, the, and their device is downloading it, that's what that's what the analytics look at. Um, and uh, I think that's it. I think that's it for today. And uh, if you if if you really want to support the podcast please consider signing up on my Patreon, patreon.com slash 206geek. Um, right now, I don't have a lot of really cool perks, but if I can get some 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 support in there, I will definitely upgrade the, the perks to some cooler stuff because I don't have any income right now. And uh, get, I, 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 I get very little money every month. I, I get probably enough to 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 put gas in my car and that's really about it so if you want to help out the podcast you want to help me out help support the podcast go to support geek.com or go to patreon.com slash 206geek and become a, a patron and uh people that sign up as to be patrons will get a shout out on every episode and uh, you'll get early access to podcast episodes as well as app episodes without advertisements and uh, sponsors attached to it. You'll just get me talking about the stories. And uh, again, thanks for, for tuning into my podcast. It really means a lot to me that you guys enjoy my podcast. It means a lot to me that you guys you're downloading it for whatever reason. Hopefully it's entertaining for you. Hopefully you're getting something out of it. And I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. And as always, if you want to see any of the stories that I talked about, you can go to notes.206geek.com and you'll see the notes for the current episode listed there that's notes.206geek.com